Hi there, folks. Welcome to Fanbyte Daily. I am your host, John Warren, and I'm here like I am every single weekday to guide you through the headlines and games entertainment in less than 10 minutes. Did someone say less than 10 minutes? Quibi, the short form mobile streaming service from Jeff Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, is shutting down after roughly six months of operation and $1.75 billion of investor funds raised. Now the team is closing shop, trying to return cash to existing shareholders by selling off remaining assets. Reports began swirling today and earlier this week about Katzenberg attempting to find a buyer for the entire corporation with Comcast and buyers for individual properties with Facebook and NBC Universal. According to a statement written by Katzenberg and Whitman, they have exhausted all realistic options to continue the Quibi experiment. So what was Quibi exactly and why did it fail? Quibi was focused on producing high-quality video content, closer to something you'd see on Netflix, but exclusively for mobile devices and at a subscription price point. These videos would be between 6 and 9 minutes long no matter what kind of content it was, so let's say an episode of Chrissy's Court, a court show starring model, mogul, and Twitter power user Chrissy Teigen is a natural 6 to 9 minutes long. Makes sense, right? Well, what about a film? Quibi had films as well. These films were broken into six to nine minute chunks. The Fugitive, a revival of the old 1960s TV series and later 1993 film, got star actor Kiefer Sutherland to hunt a wanted man for 14 Quibbies or episodes. This content was produced outside of normal union rules in Hollywood due to the length of these episodes, which were sometimes unnaturally cut into chunks as an explicit means to stay within Quibi's platform vision, but also maybe kind of sorted to cut corners on production costs. Quibi's technology allowed for a very slick viewing experience on mobile, being able to turn your phone from vertical and horizontal and vice versa without any awkward pause typically needed to display media the proper way. Even that had its problems, with Katzenberg and Quibi at the center of a legal battle with technology company Echo over the use of its proprietary view-shifting mechanism. In the official Goodbye blog, uh, Katzenberg and Whitman wrote today, they said, quote, With the dedication and commitment of our employees and the support we receive from our investors and partners, we created a new form of mobile-first premium storytelling, and yet... Quibi is not succeeding, likely for one of two reasons, because the idea itself wasn't strong enough to justify a standalone streaming service, or because of our timing." Katzenberg and Whitman have remained steadfast in their belief that the COVID-19 pandemic has ruined Quibi's chance at thriving. The idea from the start is Quibi would be a place where people would flock as they wait in line for a table at a restaurant, perhaps, or to put it bluntly, taking a break from work on the toilet with your headphones on. In that regard, with many working from home and the sensible ones not standing in line for restaurants and movie theaters, Katzenberg and company are right. That stuff just isn't happening. Podcast listenership, for the record, hasn't taken a massive dive many expected it would, with people not commuting as much. Spending from advertisers for podcasts certainly hasn't stopped either. I would instead, dear listener, focus on the first thing Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman said in that post. The idea, perhaps, is not good enough to justify a standalone streaming service, a premium paid streaming service. With free options everywhere from YouTube to TikTok, people can have their short and long video needs met without dropping a dime. With paid options like Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus, and more, people can not only find wonderful content on their mobile devices, but also take this content home, so to speak, and watch on a big screen. 
Quibi should serve as a lesson to others. Quibi lays atop a heap of bad ideas in the bad ideas graveyard. Six months was too long for Quibi. $1.75 billion was too much for Quibi. Good night, sweet prince. Moving on. Disney believes in its heart of hearts that movie theaters will be open across the world in time for the March 2021 release of upcoming animated film Raya and the Last Dragon, which got its debut trailer today. The film stars Rose Trico herself, Kelly Marie Tran, as the titular Raya, as she explores a Southeast Asian-inspired fantasy world searching for, you guessed it, the last dragon known to the planet. Uh, Raya looks cool. Uh, the world looks cool. She has a cool armadillo friend. It's good stuff. I just don't know if it'll be in theaters in March is all. One of Fanbyte.com's games of the last decade, Darkest Dungeon, is getting a sequel and it's coming to early access on the Epic Game Store next year. Darkest Dungeon 2 was announced in 2019 and developer Red Hook Studios is eager to put a slightly new spin on its roguelike strategy RPG formula. They also dropped a little teaser trailer today, so check that out. Sucker Punch has posted a job listing for a narrative writer that seems to indicate a sequel to their successful open world game, Ghost of Tsushima, is in early stages of development. You wouldn't immediately gather that information from most of the listing, but then under requirements it says, quote, desire to write stories set in feudal Japan, end quote, and under pluses it says, quote, knowledge of, J of feudal Japanese history, end quote. Uh, that seems pretty clear, unless, unless... Infamous is pulling 18 Age Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 on us. They went back in time on that one. To feudal Japan. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima's Legends DLC is out now and adds some cool stuff, including New Game Plus and a multiplayer mode. Uh, finally... <laughs> Jared. Jared, I'm busy. Can you... Okay, are you done? Okay, you're done? Okay, cool. And a real gut punch... <laughs> Hollywood Reporter had the exclusive scoop today that Zack Snyder is tapping Jared Leto to reprise his role as the Joker from 2016 Suicide Squad in the director's cut of Justice League. The Joker did not appear in 2017's Justice League, which brings up a whole heap of questions about why anyone would still refer to this as a different version of a previous film and not just a totally different film. Some would say a remake. Is it just too embarrassing to say you're remaking a three-old film? I mean, Spider-Man has done this like a hundred times. Anyway, Zack Snyder's Justice League will air in four parts on HBO Max next year. And that's it for Fanbyte Daily. Uh, the show is taking a tiny hiatus as I travel across the country to a new home in the central time zone. Next time you hear from me, I will be in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We should be back with a new episode next Thursday. In the meantime, always keep it glued to fanbyte.com and fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Thank you so much for hanging out, and I will see you all next week.